Do you want to keep talking about things you recall from the pre-mortal existence? Uh, well, let me just, maybe I can jog your memory or ask you questions. Did you okay. witness or see uh, a war in heaven or Satan or who we call Lucifer? Uh, do you have any pre-mortal re recollections of what we see described in the book of Abraham chapter 3 or the book of Moses? where Satan tried to usurp God's throne by presenting a plan that would remove our agency to make choices? Yes, I do have a distinct memory. Lucifer uh, tried to do a major job of trying to convince everybody to follow his plan. I do remember at one time that People were milling together around, kind of like, you know, as you have a conversation, the people standing in the conversation might have two, three, four people standing around in different pod groups. And there were three or four groups of people standing around discussing things and conversing. And Lucifer was there, and he would go from one pod of group of people to another, trying to persuade them to come to his side and his plan. Now, I do have an unusual experience related to this as far as being down in mortality. Before, I do we, go, recall before we go there, do you recall him uh, approaching you and trying to persuade you or a group that you're with to follow his plan or follow him? Just curious. Absolutely. And I also have a, a story quickly that extends from that. Go ahead. One mortality. Okay. After I graduated uh, from Portland State University, I decided to go to grad school, and I was admitted to graduate education program at Brigham Young University as a grad student. And I was going <clears throat> to to pursue a master's degree in special education. And I moved into a house with two girls that were uh, returned missionaries. And so the three of us were living on the main level of this house, and there was an apartment in the basement where a couple lived. The first week I moved in, one of the roommates and I um, made a trip to Las Vegas because I had borrowed my uncle's pickup to bring all my stuff to Provo, Utah, to move into 10 school. And he had taken my car to Las Vegas that weekend for some training. So we needed to, one week later, swap vehicles. So I drove from Provo down to Las Vegas, and I said to my roommate, you want to come along? And she said, sure. So we drove the several hours from Provo to Las Vegas to meet with him and swap vehicles. I would pick up my car. He'd take his pickup or truck. On the way down, I don't know why, but the roommate and I got into a conversation and it was like something absolutely opened up from the heavens for both of us. And we got in this conversation and I started to physically describe Lucifer, what he looked like and that he had a woman beside his side. And I started to talk to her about this physical description, what they looked like and how they were dressed. And before I could finish my sentences, she basically completed my sentences and remembered the exact same th same thing. And yeah. we both remember being there together. 
face-to-face confrontation or discussion or heated argument standing there with Lucifer and this woman that was standing beside him trying to persuade us both to come to his side. How did you reject him? How did you, how did you deal with it? Was it, was it a difficult choice? Was it an easy choice? Uh, um, I understand he's very persuasive and he's good looking according to Sean and others who I've read. Yes, he is a very handsome man. When I recall seeing him, he had sort of sandy blonde hair. Very, very handsome. When I saw him, he was dressed in black with linings that were uh, of, of the robes that he wore were red. And the woman that was with him also was dressed very similarly. And she had very, very long, dark hair. And I sort of jokingly kind of tell people if it ever comes up in a discussion that she reminded me of the of the actress Carolyn Jones who played Morticia Adams in the Adams family TV show of the 1960s. Gotcha. Gotcha. He looked, it was sort of stereotypical, but that's literally what she looked like. I remember having a heated argument with him and this roommate that I had just met within the last week in mortality of us just having this heated discussion or argument with him and basically just telling him, no, no way, you're wrong. That's not the way to go because we want our agency and our right to free will and agency and right to choose not uh, just, to be controlled. Just a side note, Jane, I remember this was the time period that I, you know, somewhere in this time period, maybe a few weeks or months later that I first met you. And I remember yeah. that I saw your journal or diary where you had dr- drawn out the, before you got to Provo, what the house was going to look like that you're going to live in. Is that, is that, am I saying that correctly? That's correct. About so things were coming, things were coming to the surface. Uh, you needed to go to, uh, you needed to go get your graduate degree. You needed to, I guess, maybe meet certain people. You needed to be there. And yeah. one of these people would have been that roommate because you were obviously sharing uh, some some common memories. And this was, sounds like this was also triggering more recollection. It was several months before, um, well, after, Actually, it was a couple of months before I actually physically moved to Provo. I kept getting this image of this house. And so in my journals, I actually wrote or drew out as best I could with my primitive artistic skills, a primitive diagram of the floor plan of the house and describing the flooring, uh, having sort of this moss green carpet and these white walls and this floral sofa that sat in the living room and basically a schematic of the diagram of the floor plan of the house. And it was actually the house I ended up moving into. My parents came down with me to try to find a place to live. And we were in the student housing office at BYU. And my mom plucked this card off the wall. And she says, here, here, look at this. Go. We need to go look at this house. I went to check it out. And 
met this roommate at the time, but we had to, they wanted, she wanted to get the okay from the other roommate. It was okay for me to move in. And I kept rummaging around, rummaging around, looking at other options and apartments and whatever. My mom just had this very, very deep impression. No, you need to go look at this house, this house. So that's the house I actually ended up moving into. And the really weird thing about it was the address was 333 University Avenue in Provo, Utah. So I don't know. <laughs> Just the numbers <laughs> on the house were kind of interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I met, just want to. Met the, huh? Yeah, I just want to point out that what? the reason I met you during that period of time is because one of your roommates is a person that I was assigned to home teach, and that's how we that's how we met. Is I would, yeah, so I've been to that house. I think I took a picture of that house with my wife a few years back when I took one of my kids to the mission training center to start a mission, and we took a picture out in front of that house because I'd been there on occasion. It'd been thirty plus years since I'd been there, so that was kind of fun. It's been an amazing friendship, and. I've benefited so much. I, I want to make a comment real quick. My interest yeah. in, I have had a very strong interest in near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences since I was a missionary. When I was a missionary, uh, back at that time, you didn't have, people didn't have printers and copiers were expensive. And anyway, when I was a missionary, I got a copy of a copy of a copy, it must have been 10 generations old of this vision, an out-of-body experience of a man, as I recall now, his name is Heber Q. Hale. And I had never known prior to this, this was at about the age of 20. I was probably maybe 19, but right in there. I, I was unaware that there was anybody who had ever slipped to the other side, like that wasn't a prophet, let's say, of the church, or you know, like a Nephi or a John the Revelator. I didn't know that someone could walk, uh, could describe a walk through heaven and the flowers and the grass and the colors and the beauty and the activity. Yeah. I, I was completely blown away, and I treasured that little piece. <clears throat> and I've been very lucky and fortunate to come across other people uh, like Sean. And I think you were one of the first people who I met on a personal level that's not just reading it, but could tell me I have been there and I can testify that it, the pre-mortal existence is real, that Christ is real. I met him, I saw him, and he is full of love and forgiveness. And our lives have purpose and meaning and so this and i don't think obviously i didn't know this about you right away this there are things that i learned about <clears throat> as i would come over and visit with you and visit with your roommate jane and it's been a real blessing that you've uh, agreed to stay in my life and and we've had this friendship yes i do want to take a moment and comment about something because you just triggered something in my memory and i have treasured um, our friendship over many decades because of all the experiences that we all shared together when we were there on that campus during that time. But I do want to affirm and tell you this, because you jogged my memory that I needed to mention this. In the world that we came from, it's true. 
we lived in a city with mansions and the environment was much like a city park that was immaculately groomed and landscaped and all the roads between the homes were paved with gold. All the roads led to the center of a city that was sort of like the, the, the spokes on a wagon wheel mm. that center was where the savior and father dwelt and communed and all the roads of all the mansions went outward like city streets on spokes and concentric circles or rings within them. The city was surrounded by a wall and all the foliage, the, the mansions were usually two-story marble, beautiful, gorgeous, immaculate, stunning homes and buildings. All the foliage was beautiful, gorgeous, and I can remember everything was was so light and, and emanating this light. And I can remember the trees in front of the home in which I came from and where I dwelt. And I had these trees that were like willow trees, but the leaves literally twinkled and sparkled. The light from everything, everything twinkled and sparkled. And I can remember everything let, let out these beautiful, harmonious, humming type sounds that it made this beautiful melodic music in the air. And the air was filled with all these wonderful colors and rainbow and even colors that you can't even imagine or even in the spectrum in the mortal world. It was just absolutely stunning, gorgeous. You didn't need vehicles there because we had the ability to walk these streets, to meet together and talk and converse about things when we went to school, like much like a college campus, and, and converse and discuss things and learn from one another in our pre-mortal schooling and basically, it was like a college campus, but only it was like a college campus and homes and things in the middle of this huge, huge city park, beautiful, stunning city park. And um, it was just absolutely stunning. You didn't need automobiles because we had the ability of a couple of things. We were able to communicate telepathically. You didn't have to use a standard speak like we speak with our mouth. You could basically for use of frequencies if you were standing in a pot or group of four or five people you could send a message to, to single it out to, to send it to two specific people that they would hear what you wanted to say and not include everybody in the group if you wanted to you could filter it or they could do the same thing converse with everybody in the group that they'd all dial in or tune into it or just one or two or three specific people we also had the ability to transport ourselves or transport ourselves sort of like a good analogy is sort of the, the the TV show Star Trek where they go on the little portal and they say beam me up Scotty we basically had the ability to transfer transport ourselves from point A to point B literally by using our thoughts it was instantaneous transport we didn't have to have the mechanisms of transportation that we think of in this mortal world, like boats and planes and automobiles and buses and taxis and whatever. We basically, if it was a distance that we didn't want to walk, we could literally think, I want to go from point A to point B anywhere that we need or wanted to be and instantaneously we would be there. 
but we had these beautiful gifts and abilities that we don't have in this mortal world. We're limited. One other thing I do want to say very quickly, and it's about the veil. A lot of people imagine the veil is like a parting of a theater curtain. But what I want people to know and understand is the veil is your brain. When you step out of your body and your brain, you are no longer limited by a veil. The, your brain you works sort of like a filter and screens out everything around us that's a reality in the spiritual realm that we can't see, hear, feel, touch, or smell because it filters it down and limits to what we can experience. But I want you to pick your picture in your mind. Imagine this. You're out in the sun on a very, very bright, sunny day, and you've got earplugs in, and you've got very, very dark sunglasses on. And it dials everything down as far as what you can experience. Then suddenly you walk down a long, dark corridor into a darkened room of the building, and everything's black. And you can't see or hear anything briefly for a few seconds. So you take out the earplugs and you can hear, and you take off the sunglasses, and your pupils adjust to the light, and all of a sudden everything dials up and becomes brighter and brighter and brighter until you can see every detail in the room that's surrounding you. When we're in mortality, it's like we're walking around with those earplugs and the sunglasses on. We're limited in what we can see in here. But when you take those off, you can see everything in the spiritual dimension around us as well as mm. the physical reality. So I want you to understand that that's why it's your brain that's actually the filter. It's a mechanism that limits what you can experience at one time. It's not like stepping through a curtain. It's, but when you step out of your body, you're stepping beyond the curtain. 